Hello everyone. Welcome to our show Between Friends and at today's episode I am your host Nandini Ray and we will be discussing the effects of domestic violence or dating violence on children and teens. I'm so glad that today we have Dr. Tasneem Ismailji as our guest. Welcome Tasneem. Thank you so much Nandini. I am very pleased to be here. Hello everybody. Dr. Tasneem Ismailji is a pediatrician. She is a co-founder, current board member, past board chair and past president of the Academy on Violence and Abuse, a non-profit organization that works to advance health education and research on the prevention, recognition and treatment of the health effects of violence and abuse across the lifespan. Tasneem also serves on the medical committee of the Santa Clara Domestic Violence Council. Dr. Ismailji has conducted several trainings on health effects of violence and abuse for over the past 25 years. She was honored by Family Children's Services of Silicon Valley for her work on domestic violence and by the Santa Clara Domestic Violence Council with the Champion of Peace Award. Tasneem, I'm so glad that you are here today to discuss this very important community issue. And um, sometimes we think that, you know, domestic violence, um, intimate partner violence, uh, everybody knows about it. But no, even if they know, they don't want to talk about it. And um, this is a devastating social problem. Sometimes people think this is uh, someone's personal problem. I am happy. I don't have any problem in this my in my life. So why should I even discuss domestic violence but uh, we must understand that it is a social problem problem and it is affecting all of us directly and indirectly and especially children i mean uh, when uh, children they are seeing domestic violence um, you know abuse uh, at their home and uh, i mean i think that home should be the safest place for all children and if they are seeing that you know parents are abusive to each other or one parent is um, controlling and abusive to um, another parent or children that is devastating and as a medical practitioner you see this kind of and as a researcher you do work in this field so I would like to know that can you please discuss that what are the short-term and long-term effects of domestic violence um, or abuse on children when they see violence at home? So Nandini these are these are very good thoughts and what I would like to say, then, in addition to it being a social problem, the reason why I've been devoting so much of my time and energy is because it is a health problem. It affects the health mm. of all of us. And so it affects the health of the woman who's in an abusive situation. It affects the health of the person who's doing the abusing. And it dramatically affects the health of the children. So just imagine a newborn baby, just born. And if you were to take this newborn baby and there was shouting and there was screaming and there was hitting around this one-day-old precious new life, what do you think the effect would be on this baby? This baby will start to cry and it'll cry and cry and you cannot console a baby even though it's brand new. That is the effect of abuse in a household. This is a effect. So we want the children, we want the babies to be in a household that is safe, 
that is stable and that is nurturing. And children thrive in that. But what we are talking about is abuse. And this is the effect on abuse on the children's development and how it is that if you take this newborn baby and the baby stays in a home in which there is, you know, demeaning, there's humiliation, there is the other, uh, the woman is being degraded, is being hit, is being injured, and perhaps in the worst situations, the danger may be so high that the woman may actually be killed and the children may be also killed. So this is a very, very serious health issue and a health problem. So what are the short-term and long-term effect on children? I mean, if they're seeing something, probably do you think that they will forget within two years and uh, if um, or they will start coping uh, it and start normalizing the abuse or it will have it will, it will have any impact on their brain and their um, you know well-being oh we know this uh, studies show there is a huge impact on the brain and the neurodevelopment so if you were to go to the Harvard site on developing children, you will see all of the studies and the evidence over there. So as you take this newborn baby living in this household, you will see that this baby will have development issues. The baby will not develop normally. It will have certain uh, effects in which this baby will now be very hard to regulate emotionally. They will have anxiety. They will develop depression. As the child gets older, they will have conduct disorders, low self-esteem, attention difficulties, reduce problem-solving skills, and do poorly in school, have difficulty making friends. So these are all the domains of a normal uh, childhood that are affected very seriously by the abuse. Hmm. I was uh, reading an article where um, it was, uh, you know, uh, one child, uh, they were talking about a couple of uh, children who are facing uh, domestic violence, who have seen domestic violence very closely. Uh, they said that a couple of children, they when they don't get attention from their parents who are always uh, in in conflict, they seek out for attention to outsiders. Like when they go out, they uh, they seek attention from strangers. And in that case, they can put themselves in dangerous situation, right? So anybody can take advantage if uh, from those children. Don't you think so? That is a good thought. So what happens is that the children really are not able to regulate themselves emotionally. So they really don't know who are the good guys and not such good guys. Mm. They are not able to tell that. So neurologically, they have been damaged and they're not able to make this differentiation. So they may go out, you know, they they may go out looking for friends outside and they are not able to, to tell who are the people that have the best interests and who are the people that don't have the best interests. And so they may put themselves in danger that way. 
And also, uh, do you think that they learn uh, to be abusive to others by seeing uh, abuse, um, you know, all the time that they maybe they think they may think that, oh, violence or, you know, anger can be the solution of everything. I mean, if I want to get it, get things done, I can be angry or I can be uh, abusive. I can force, use force to get it, uh, get things done. And then they start bullying their um friends or their um, classmates, um, is it possible to? Yes. So what we know is that when children are raised in a home in which there is abuse, they are much more likely to either be the abusers, that's generally for boys, or they are more likely to be abused, that's generally for girls. So what is happening is that the children, most children, all of us as humans, learn from our parents. It's not just humans. If you take birds or animals, that's what they do. The parents teach the children or the babies, with a little bird or a little animal, on how it is that they are supposed to live. And the same thing is for humans. So the children are learning from the humans. And these parents are teaching them, well, this is the way you get things done in this life. If you are... um not happy with what's going on, you yell and you scream and you hit and you injure the other person. There is a dynamic in domestic abuse that I think everybody should know about. And that is one person is controlling the actions of the other. So this is where this happens. So one person is in control and the other person doesn't have much that they can do or say. This is very important dynamic to understand because a lot of victim blaming goes on. So what happens is that people think, oh, there's something wrong with the woman. There's something that she's not doing right. If only if she could do something and keep her ha husband happy, there would be no domestic abuse. This is a key concept to understand that this is not how it happens. It happens because it's usually the male, it's usually the husband, who then uses control and abuse on on the woman. And that's the person who we need as a society to hold accountable. That's the person that we as family and friends need to go and say, hey, what you are doing is not the best for your wife. It's not the best for your family. It's certainly not best for your children. This person, if they are listening, may indeed change their behavior, may indeed say, oh, what you're saying, I have to think about it. But they might have been brought up in an abusive home, and so they don't know anything better. That's one thing. The other thing is that it's our society and our media. If you look around, we are constantly bombarded by messages in the media about violence, about control. Power and control is a something that people want. Mm -hmm. They want it in their societies. They want it in their business. Who is that big CEO? Oh, he's powerful. He's controlling. People admire that. But when it comes to a family, it's absolutely the opposite. It's very, very harmful. Here I want to uh, make one point that, yes, we all know as domestic violence advocates, those who are working in this field, the statistics-wise, yes, um, mostly men are um, abusers, but 
it's also possible that men are abused by their partner, female partners. And um, so if somebody is listening and uh, if that person is a male and thinking that, oh, um, you know, they believe that all all the time men are bad, men are uh, doing abuse. So I shouldn't be even reaching out to anybody to get help uh, and they won't believe me. So I just want to point out that that is not the case. Anybody who is abused and who is suffering, uh, they have every right to get help, seek out for help. And they have, everyone has um, a right to have a safe and healthy, um, you know, uh, intimate partner life or family life. And um, so whoever is abusing, whether it is male, female, uh, they should be accountable, not the, not, it's not victim, uh, victim's fault. Uh, abuse cannot be victim's fault. And um, whoever is uh, feeling, um, you know, uh, suffered suffering from uh, domestic violence, intimate partner violence. Uh, there are resources out there. Five agencies in Santa Clara County. They are providing free and confidential help. They should reach out to um, them, uh, and uh, you know, uh, they can know their rights and options. Maitri is one of them. Uh, Next door solutions. Uh, community solutions. Uh, and um, uh, Aki uh, and um, uh, another one is uh, YWCA Silicon Valley. Um, of course, Maitri is there. Um, please call them to find out your rights and options. Um, uh, Doctor, uh, I, I would like to make yeah, another sure. point, Nandini. You yes. are absolutely correct. And I usually think about this as beyond a gender issue. Yes. Unfortunately, it seems like that it seems to be the statistics show that it's more men than yeah. women. But if you look at the minority populations, if you look at gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, or questioning, we see perhaps a little more domestic abuse in those relationships. So we know it's, it's a little more than just a gender issue. Yes, women are being a, they are also abusers sometimes, but the most of the Statistics show that it's it's predominantly the men, and so um, you know, reaching out to you, to Maitri, and to discuss these issues is very very important. Doesn't matter if you are a man or a woman or a questioning or gay or lesbian or trans. It's very important to reach out to you because you are the experts. You see this every day. You know you can help them. And Tasneem, um, uh, another thing I have seen uh, in our community that divorce is absolutely a stigma. No one wants to talk about divorce and uh, many members, many community members think that um, it is better to stay in an abusive relationship rather than raising children alone as a single parent. And, you know, sometimes they think that they are staying in this relationship, uh, though they know it is harmful for them, uh, but they think that it is good for their children. And sometimes it is possible that they are not realizing that uh, children are uh, noticing, children are observing abuse. And they are, as you said, it's a learned behavior. They are learning how to be abusive or how to suffer in silence. Um, so what do you think that, um, you know, uh, 
people uh, when they they think that it is better to uh, be in a broken relationship broken um, home uh, for children uh, but where the children are exposed to domestic violence uh, intimate partner violence is it is this a right decision what do you think as a doctor So one of the things that I as a doctor do one of the first things when I identify a family that has domestic abuse I do what is called um a danger assessment. So in this danger assessment this is a tool developed by Dr. Jackie Campbell and what it shows is that there are many questions that I have the family go through the woman go through and that's the first thing that I identify to see how much danger this family and this woman may be in and it's a safety issue so we know this using this instrument if there are signs that woman may be in very high danger then I have to as a doctor do something immediately and that may be in con- consultation with the woman the woman also recognizes when she does a danger assessment that she because there's a lot of denial in people and if you do the danger assessment you find the danger is very high then you cannot wait you have to do something to save the life of the children and of the woman so this instrument is available at maitri is maitri doing the danger assessment yes yes we are doing that right so if there is a family if there's a woman who is concerned about it that's the first thing is to do the danger assessment i myself start over there and if the danger assessment is positive then we immediately reach out to maitri to take the case and do something in, in an urgent fashion if you take most of the other situations that you talked about in which there is uh, emotional abuse maybe it's not to the level of a danger but there is constant emotional abuse physical abuse financial abuse sexual abuse then then we have to do something as a society then we have to do something as a physician because it has profound health effects and so at that point in time we sit down and we do some education with the woman about what is domestic abuse we talk about how it is the abuser who needs to be accountable and the first most important thing we say it this is not your fault and and the effect on the children when we describe the effect on the children and then the woman understands how serious this is then many times it makes she makes up her mind that she wants to do something about it mm. so do you think that children um who are you know seeing domestic violence uh, can recover from witnessing or experiencing uh this abuse uh, i i think um, you did a lot of work in ace area um adverse yes. childhood education right yes. this is the so can you talk about the that um ace right so this is a very exciting time because since this january 2020 the whole state of california is introducing uh uh it's an option for primary healthcare uh, doctors to do what is called ace screening so ace stands for adverse childhood experiences and that is uh, 10 categories of child maltreatment child abuse physical emotional um sexual two categories of child uh, neglect and emotional and physical neglect 
And then there are uh, categories of household dysfunction. That includes domestic violence, substance abuse. If a parent is in jail, if there's separation, single parent, all of those categories show that when you um, see if there are four or more of these categories, then they are related to the 10 leading causes of death in, in, our, in the healthcare. So this is a very, very important thing, is that because it has such profound effects on really complicated health issues. You, know? you think mm. about heart disease, you think about diabetes, asthma, cancer, um, these are the these are the kind of conditions that are related to having adverse experiences in your life. Oh God! Sometimes uh, you know, um, like like me, people like me, we are we don't have medical background or medical knowledge, and we may not uh, understand that on a regular basis that uh, this has uh, this kind of. Um, uh, adverse um, childhood experience can have enormous effect on on someone's uh, life. On, I mean, lifelong effect, right? It is so, lifelong. It is through your life course. And then, if you think about it, we also know that if you have six or more of these uh, uh, abusive categories, then you actually lose two decades of your life. So you actually live less than if you did not have these. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very uh, uh, serious issue that yes. we need to, like uh, community members, they need to know about that. Sometimes we um, we are not getting enough information about this uh, medical um, world, what the researches are happening, what kind of research are happening uh, in that area. And it's always good to do this kind of show to let people know that, uh, they, you know, um, adverse uh, experience in your life can have enormous effect in your uh, well-being or in your health so that people um, you know understand and do something about it and uh, especially um, uh, I don't know some sometimes it's possible that parents are uh, when the domestic violence they are uh, they are um, involving in uh, engaged in any kind of conflict any kind of whether it is physical abuse or other abuses and they may sometimes forget that someone is watching and they keep doing that uh, uh, that abuse or that uh, violent behavior and without understanding that that uh, they are ruining someone's life, right? Oh, they are yes. Ruining their children's life. And they, they are, yes. Yeah. And the children, you know, they don't have, oh, so some parents will tell me, no, no, the children don't know. When we have these arguments or when there is hitting, the children don't know because they are in a different room. I can tell you the research shows the children know. So we, the, we call this children exposed to domestic abuse. We know, as I said before, you take that newborn baby, you take a 5-year-old, you take a 10-year-old, you take an 18-year-old. All of these children know what is going on in the house and their health and well-being is profoundly affected by this. 
Thank you, Tasneem, sharing this insightful uh, resources and um, information with us. Um, listeners, who we are discussing the damaging effects of domestic violence and abuse on children and teens. And today we have uh, Dr. Tasneem Ismailji with us. Uh, now I think it's a time to take a break and then we will come back soon. Um, don't go anywhere. अगर आप या कोई और जिसे आप जानते हैं जो घरेलू और डोमेस्टिक वायलेंस से गुजर रहे हैं कृपया मैत्री से संपर्क करें मैत्री की सेवाएं बिल्कुल मुफ्त और विश्वसनीय हैं हमारी सेवाएं हिंदी पंजाबी मराठी गुजराती और अन्य दक्षिण एशियाई भाषाओं में उपलब्ध हैं यू कैन कॉल अस मंडे टू फ्राइडे नाइन टू थ्री पी एम ऑन वन एट 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 सिक्स टू फोर एट सेवन फोर फॉर आफ्टर आवर्स लीव वॉइस मेल इन योर लैंग्वेज यू कैन ऑल्सो ई मेल अस एट मैत्री एम ए आई टी आर आई एट मैत्री Hello everyone as i said that we are discussing the damaging effects of domestic violence and abuse with dr tasneem ismailji and we are back again in the conversation um after a short break um so dr tasneem we so far we are talking about effects on uh, effects of dv on children and uh, now um i would like to know that um, you know about uh, uh, this uh, effects on teens because um, i have seen that south asian parents uh, many times in, you know in my family or friends we have seen that many parents uh, they have high school um, uh, teens uh, children and they say that oh uh, my children they don't know anything about dating or they are not in any dating relationship or uh, what are you talking about uh, why would even uh, think of uh, we uh, we shouldn't be talking about dating relationship or something like that with my our children they are only in 9th grade 10th grade uh, 11th grade but personally i believe that um, uh, you know uh, sometimes we don't understand that maybe we are um, our children our teen children they are in some relationship and my um, concern is if they know how to be safe in those uh, in the in their uh, dating relationship that is more important uh, rather to you know pushing our children do not have dating relationship uh, so um, so what do you think that have you seen in your uh, career that teen uh, teens they are facing dating violence uh, abuse in their own life and they are not uh, talking about that uh, feeling or uh, if they are abused by their dating partners and they are not comfortable uh, talking about their feelings with their parents uh, their family Uh, anything you want to share yes thank you for asking this nandini the, the most important thing to understand that we as humans really do want intimate relationships we do want romantic uh, relationships and so it's a very normal healthy desire of us humans to want to be in a in a romantic relationship and the teens is when that romantic relationships interest starts up so if you look at it from a positive aspect that yes this is normal and then if parents could indeed approach it from that kind of way that yes this is good this is normal now a lot of south asians including myself you know i just went to girls school i even went to a girls medical college so i never studied with boys i did not know how to have relationships with boys but now the children especially if you're raising them in the us they go to school 
they have experiences, they have the opportunity to be with uh, maybe the other sex or the same sex or whatever it is. So as these feelings and emotions which are normal and healthy are developing, we as parents should support them and we as parents should actually learn about them, that this is a good thing. And if we do indeed take it from that approach, then the teen's like, wow, my mama thinks this is good. They'll be a little bit surprised. So when I was doing um, practice, I was doing adolescent gynecology. So I saw many, many teens who came to me for contraception. And I would ask them, do your parents know that you're coming to see me for contraception? And some of them would say yes, and some of them would say no. Many times I would ask them, would you feel comfortable bringing your mother with you for this appointment? Some of them would say yes, and some of them would say no. And if you think about it, that one particular teenager that I remember very clearly, when I spoke to her that my approach is that when you come for your first um, uh, vaginal exam, I really encourage you to bring your mother with you for the visit. They don't, I did not have the mother's present when I was doing the exam, but I would start the conversation with the teenager. Then I would say, is it okay for your mother to be here? Then the mother would come in and we would talk about normal sexuality. We would say, how much do you know about how it is that human beings connect with each other? What is a normal, healthy romantic relationship and that starts the conversation so I am also not only educating the teen but I'm also educating the mother. I do remember one child who said no way are you kidding me doctor my mother I don't want her to know that I've come to you for contraception and I told her I said I do do not need to tell her that you you know we have a confidential agreement uh, between you and me I don't need to tell her but I just want to ask you, do you think you can? No, no, no. She was adamant. There's no way that I could have this conversation with my mother. So when they are teens, it's a little bit sometimes too late. I think these conversations should start. And when I'm in practice, I actually start these conversations just when the babies are born. That's the time to educate ourselves as parents about what is normal, healthy sexual development what is normal, healthy relationships, because that's one of the things we don't talk about, healthy relationships. And it's better to start early. The children know, because we have to develop a comfort level with these topics, because we never talked about these things before. We never definitely talked about with our parents about these things, so they are uncomfortable. So we need to learn. And if we learn, the earlier we learn, the better it is. Because remember, when they, you... You reach that teenager stage. I don't know if you remember yourself. But what you're trying to do at that age is you're trying to separate from your parents. You're trying to become an adult. This is the transition from a child to an adult. That is the teenager state. And at that point in time, you want to feel like you know everything. There's nothing that my parents mm. know. And when you are in that kind of a situation, it's very hard to reach out to your parents. Sometimes I've seen that, uh, especially in uh, our community, South Asian community, 
um i think uh, there is a barrier uh, between uh, uh, parents and children i mean teen children what we cannot uh, what we can talk or cannot talk um and i don't know whether i'm not generalizing i'm not saying that all uh, parents south asian parents and children they have uh, a barrier between them but many times i have noticed that uh, many topics um, we are not very uh, very open or very comfortable talking to um, about uh, with our uh, teen children and um, i remember one um, one doctor once told me that she was uh, visiting a one uh, uh, 15 year old and uh, she um she that uh, 15 year old came uh, with uh, because uh, she had some um shoulder dislocation something like that i mean mm-hmm. uh, but when the doctor was examining the girl and she found out that the girl is actually pregnant yes and then uh, she uh, started uh, you know uh, questioning and all that and then she came to know that uh, the 15 year old uh, girl uh, actually is having a dating relationship and the boyfriend is very abusive and now um that's shoulder dislocation what was uh, the reason she came to visit to see a doctor actually caused by the boyfriend yes and uh, on top of that um, she is pregnant yes and uh, she, so it's and the uh, when that doctor uh, wanted to have discussion with uh, the parents because it's a serious issue like the shoulder dislocation but the, uh, also the pregnancy teen pregnancy 15 year old and uh, that girl was uh, you know very very upset and she was very upset she was she started crying and she said my parents don't know anything i told uh, my parents that i um i had an accident that's why their the shoulder dislocation is uh, you know we are had i am having this kind of accident i have had this this kind of accident, accident so uh, that's why i have shoulder dislocation i didn't talk about my boyfriend uh, and forget about abusive boyfriend so i was uh, when i was uh, listening this story i felt so sad that uh, i was thinking about that 15 year old that uh, she's so helpless uh, she is abused by um, her boyfriend uh, having uh, you know going through under enormous pain and now she's so scared that what will happen if my uh parents you know they know about this situation so i'm like i don't know what to do i mean how to how to remove this barrier i have a teenager son i have a son who is um 15 year 14 years old 14 plus almost 15 so um i am sometimes i'm wondering that uh, are we uh, communicating uh, enough so that he knows that um, that whenever he is facing or any any abuse or any um, any problem in his life and he can come to us he can talk to us uh, uh, without any fear so why do you think that uh, as our in our community we see this kind of barrier between uh, between parents and um, and children any, anything you want to share as a doctor as as a community member as a woman as a mother South Asian mother, yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. I I have raised uh, two adult. My children are adult now, and I have two, um, I have two grandchildren as well. So this is something that we as parents have to be very thoughtful about. 
you know, we live in a very rapidly changing society. We have so much information and knowledge available to us because of the internet. And if we as parents, because I know that most parents have the best for their children at, 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 in their heart, but they sometimes don't know how to go about doing that. So I think what we need to do is start the conversation. Because when I listen to many, many conversations within my family, we talk about all kinds of issues, but we don't talk about healthy relationships. And that's a conversation that we need to start. So we need to really reach out to all of our friends, family, and start this conversation so that each one is starting to learn from it. It's the secrecy. It's the shame. It's the fear. These are the harmful things. And the, and the uh, child that you just told me, the 15-year-old, is probably more scared of the boyfriend than of the parents and will not tell the parents because the boyfriend is keeping her very scared. That's part of the abuse. And another part of the abuse that you have to understand is that the 15-year-old is pregnant. She probably probably was raped by the boyfriend. And so it's not that the children are out there just wanting to have sex. That's not what it is. It's far more complicated than that. And we must not be afraid of normal sexual development. We must reach out to our children and say, oh, yes, I don't know about these things but I'm willing to learn. We must be open. We must have these conversations. We must openly discuss because the more we discuss, the more comfortable we feel about these issues and feel comfortable. We learn more and we open more and the children are watching us. Wow, my mother is willing to learn. My father is willing to learn. My father, who never ever gave me a hug, is now willing to learn and give me a hug as a parent. So these are new experiences, and we need to be open to that. Because if we don't, the effects on the health and well-being of your children are very, very serious. This particular child who's pregnant with a shoulder dislocation is at very, very high risk. That is a very urgent situation. And as a doctor, what I need to do is get the permission from the teenager by expressing to her how much danger she is in and then reach out to her and say, we really need to get your parents involved in this because we need to make sure that you are safe. We need to talk to my three and get them involved. We need the advocates here. We need to have everybody who can assure this, this child's safety and health is taken care of. Yeah, so this is, uh, sometimes it's uh, sad to uh, see this kind of news. I remember a couple of months uh, back, um, there is a, a case on 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 newspaper about uh, a Punjabi family, I think, in Bakersfield. And they, the it was um, the baby, uh, she uh, delivered um, uh, her family killed that baby and it was a big news in 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 new in media that uh, the because they they were um, thinking about family shame family yes. uh, name reputation and then they killed that baby um, after the, their teenage girl delivered the baby boy 
and it's so sad to uh, read um, this kind of news yes. and uh, um, i don't know sometimes i feel this is um, this should be a lesson for our community uh, members to you know to understand our children to to be supportive to our children yes. um, and not to think about what people will say what community will say rather yes. than uh, thinking what how uh, how can i support my own children right yes. oh absolutely so you know we have some of these uh, ideas back from where we were born and raised but we have to understand if we are going to be living in the us that we cannot kill a child that is a crime yeah. that's a murder and that will not go without being detected not in this country yeah. it will be detected and you will have to go through prosecution for that you will have to go um and be accountable for murdering a child so this is not a simple thing this cannot be hidden people who have these kind of mindsets who have this kind of ideas that i'm i'm sorry to say these are old ideas these are not ideas by which one can live and thrive these are harmful ideas and they should be immediately given up yeah so you know raising kids raising children it's not only a parents responsibility um it, it takes a village to raise yes. children right yes. so all teachers schools policy makers doctors um community members families parents all of us need to support our children when yes. they are in uh, any kind of abusive situation or they are facing any any problem in their lives uh, for example like if uh, like teen suicide rate is really high yes. and uh, but uh, many times uh, if you see the research if you see the statistics that it is increasing and why is it increasing because many times i think that teen they don't have enough support from their families from their school systems and like mental health mental health uh, it's a big stigma in our community no one wants to talk about a mental health problem right yes. you are a doctor you know better yes. so if they are facing any problem they don't uh, they don't want to admit uh, a mental health problem so is there any advice for any uh, for for parents for families yes the, the, the most important thing as i said before is to stay con- connected and communicating with your child and as i talked about the adverse childhood experiences before we know there's a very high correlation association between how many adversities you have and uh suicide risk we also know that people who have adversities also abuse substances like alcohol or other um marijuana or other drugs and that may well be uh, related to the suicide rate as well so again coming back it takes all of us you know uh, it's the doctors it's the school it's the friends it's the parents all of us together need to look after this child and we do teach the doctors because suicide is so common in teenagers now that they should be screening for suicide risk so that's one of the very strong recommendations that we are making that all healthcare professionals should be asking about suicide in teens mm. so as a mother of a teenage son um i, I would like to know what are some 
tangible tips when approaching a conversation on um, on relationship uh, with with my children my child so you have everyday opportunities nandini to talk about healthy relationships you know if you go to an event where you have your community members you can just start the conversation about oh did you notice this one was having such a good conversation with the child with the teenager this father was speaking so nicely and gently and having fun and making jokes and but look at that other father he was not ta- at all either not even noticing the child the teenager or not even having any conversation so if you take those small kind of observations those are good starting places to start this conversation about what is a healthy relationship what is an unhealthy relationship it's we need to talk respectfully with our teens that's the first place whether it's our teens or with any of our children we need to start speaking with the using respectful language we need to start showing our love and our caring and that's when it doesn't happen is that's a good starting place again to say oh did you notice that and then open that conversation with your teenage son and open that conversation with your family members with your husband with their friends when the friends come over that's one of the things i used to do when my daughter was a teenager she used to go to school over here i'd have all of the the school um friends come to our house and and this is a long time ago so i used tv programs like uh, gilmore girls gilmore girls was a very good tv program to talk about healthy relationships because when you slow that tv uh, show down i could show where there was abuse going on and so tv media is another really good if you're sitting down and watching a tv program with your child or you're watching a game or you're watching anything you can make these observations say oh what do you think about that that doesn't sound right to me what do you think about that and then you build your case little by little and then you start talking about it. but you know talking is one thing but we you know children run learn from what you do so you need to be very respectful with your spouse you need to be respectful with your children you need to be respectful with all of your family members and then you know give them opportunity give them space to talk about yes different people have different views that starts the conversation so uh, having good role models in yes. our community in our family is very important uh, yes, right absolutely and also putting a lot of um, you know as you were saying that communication is the key so yes. we, we must have a good communication with our children yes. and to talk about to know to uh, you know we must know what they are thinking about any thing happening around them and how uh, we can chime in how we can um, get into any type of conversation we on any topic with them yes so uh, one of the things with teens you know because you have a teenage son as soon as they come home from school they go into their room and they shut the door <laughs> so they don't really want to talk to you so you have to try not five times harder not 10 times harder you have to try a thousand times harder to make that space that feels loving and comfortable the teenager will come out from the room i used to have um 
I used to have a little uh, smoothie for my daughter. That sure got her out of her room and we'd sit down and then I'd have a cup of tea and she would have a smoothie and we'd start talking about her day. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Tasneem, uh, we are really um, thankful that you uh, are here and sharing your personal experience, your knowledge, your expertise with our listeners. And I hope uh, we will be doing this kind of show again and again. Um, and you will come again and again to talk about this issue uh, so that we together we can uh, mobilize our community in ending victim blaming, in uh, raising good, uh, you know, uh, healthy relationship, uh, healthy kids. Um, and thank you. Thank you, listeners, uh, for uh, being with us. You are very welcome, Nandini. This show is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney for legal advice. Views expressed by guests of the radio show are individual opinions and not endorsed by Maidri.